Wall, the author of Streamliner, which is a book about, well, the industrial designer par excellence, Raymond Lowy. John, what got you? Um, what got you onto Lowy? What What was it that attracted you to him? Did a story for uh, my newspaper that I worked at, the Altoona Mirror, a small daily in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, on uh, the S1 locomotive, which was built in the railroad shops here, which mm-hmm. is the biggest steam locomotive ever built, and it was designed by Raymond Lowy. So that story, plus my previous interest in design and, and advertising, kind of uh, led me to believe that there was a, a story to be told here. And, and it most certainly is. I mean, Raymond Lowy strikes you as even if you haven't gotten into the subject like you have, where you've really researched it, but just a cursory glance at his career, this was an amazing person who was so diverse and so creative. Uh, remarkable, wasn't he? Right. He uh, essentially, you know, is the American dream. He was born in France and, uh, um, served in World War I for the French Army, and he gets out, and both his parents have passed away from the uh, Spanish flu of the, you know, 1918, 1919, uh, and his brothers are in America, so he sails for America with about 40 bucks in his pocket, <laughs> and uh, gets off the boat, and um, um through a couple of connections, uh, starts getting jobs as an illustrator. And he, you know, over time becomes a fairly well-known fashion illustrator doing print ads in the Art Deco style. And uh, so, yeah, um, very much, um, although he's, you know, spoke with a French accent his whole life, uh, he was almost a... uh, no one's more, you know, Catholic than a convert, and uh, um, no one's probably more Americanized than someone who's come over, you know, uh, as a young man and uh, found found success. And his his success. I mean, we can we're talking about Raymond Lowe. We're talking with John Wall, the author of Streamliner and Key Strike Package. I'm just picking out things that are often cited for with with Lowy, right. uh, he did Studebaker, the car, right. and a whole bunch of things for them. Um, but the, what was it that he did with Sears with their refrigerator? Uh, he did the uh, basically the first uh, wide-selling uh, refrigerator, the Sears Cold Spot, in 1934. And right before he took the commission, he had just come out of designing a car for Hupmobile, which is a, uh, a car company in Detroit uh, owned by the Hups, H-U-P-P, but Hupmobile is with one P. Anyway, he um, used a lot of the uh, car design tropes of, uh, that he learned with the Hupmobile in the, um, in the Sears Cold Spot and uh, the, the groundbreaking design was he put the motor uh, on the bottom uh, to hide it. Almost mm-hmm. all refrigerators up to that point had the motor on the top 
so right. the heat so the heat would escape so you know they had to probably increase the, the strength of the motor to keep everything from melting on the bottom but um but anyway he was able to to do that and it was really a, the first wide selling uh, uh refrigerator and that was for sears it's amazing when you think you look at his career we're talking about raymond lowey the designer that um what a difference it can make when somebody would think about a refrigerator well you know a refrigerator is a big boxy thing you put in the kitchen but everything is a design element and and he guess he used that throughout his career didn't he i mean he just of course he became when did he become like totally in demand where people said you know get me Raymond Lowy or something like that. Right. Was that early said, on or what? Well, you know, like I said, he was a uh, illustrator first and then he was not getting a lot of, uh, uh, he either wasn't getting a lot of uh, commissions or he sensed that uh, fashion illustration was, was going away of, uh, of extinction because of photography. But right. uh, he he went you know his first couple of major designs um in america were uh, the sears i was in 34 and um uh, a couple of radios and stuff for colonial uh electronics and but i would say um he was first you know became the industrial designer would be in the 40s um late 30s and 40s he did the uh the streamlined locomotives in 1939 and had done uh his first uh car design for studebaker in 1939 and um uh, by then it had uh, clients you know pretty much all over the country and um even from day one as an industrial designer he had employees. He didn't, he never did anything by himself. Right. So he would hire sculptors or designers or things like that. And so like um, one note that I made here by, uh, by 1949, he basically employed about 140 people all over the, you know, in offices in New York, South Bend and Chicago. So he was not a one man show. He was, he was employing artists or, or uh, professionals of various uh, types to, to deliver what he was doing. Right. And um, everything that came out of his office was, was signed by him, all designs. So mm -hmm. that was a trade-off. You know, if you were a designer working for Raymond Lowy, you got to work on a lot of different stuff, but no one really knew your name. Yeah. They Raymond took the credit. Yeah, they knew the boss's name. And, you know, he's a little controversial there in the design community. But, you know, I, I would say he was a genius in designing the profession of industrial design and then designing his image to fit a, a titan of that, of that uh, profession. You know, and that's mainly what the book about is how he created his own image, his own persona that uh, yeah was was out there, and he was uh, obviously, um, and I would imagine with the success he had, um, 
probably not uh, afraid to, to toot his own horn, right? No, he had a, a full-time press agent. Her name was Betty Reese, and she was pretty much ingenious at getting him in a paper uh, and in magazines. He uh, also in 19, uh, I think it was 49, uh, was on the cover of Time magazine. And, uh, you know, which back then was like being on CNN 24 hours a day and also had a mate at the same year had a major uh, um, uh, story in life, life magazine. So you get time and life in the forties. You're basically all over the country. Yeah. You're a celebrity. There's no question of that. Now, what did he do? John, we're talking with John Wall, the author of Streamliner. John, what did uh, Raymond Lowy do for NASA? Because I found that fascinating, just sort of a some reference that he did stuff for NASA. Right. I bet. Right. Wow, this we're guy kinda, was everywhere. Yeah, we're kind of jumping to the end of his career. So by the end, by the sixties, you know, he was in his seventies, and uh, the um, industrial design uh, profession, where you know the great man agencies of Lowy and. Norman Bel Geddes and uh, Henry Dreyfus and and uh, Walter Teague were kind of on the way out because companies figured out it was cheaper to hire your own designer in house to design mm-hmm. your washing machine rather than hire <laughs> Raymond Lowy or some other guy who isn't on site and is going to fight you over the design or whatever. Right. So there's, there's just there's just less hassle. So. Right. So he was looking to the federal government by that point, and he had had a couple of uh, commissions earlier in the 60s with Air Force One. He designed, you know, the current livery and color scheme for uh, today's Air Force One and, um, you know, originally for John F. Kennedy. And then after that, he um, kept pitching NASA and they finally hired him to do some designs for Skylab, which was, you know, the first multiple men living in space experiment. Um, basically a bunch of guys living in a circular tube. Um, at, you know, it was in the early seventies and he did the interiors and a couple of uh, uniform fixes, but he, you know, he didn't do a huge amount for NASA, but he was involved and uh, got, you know, was able to say that he designed for NASA, but the bulk of what uh, NASA did was designed by, you know, aeronautical engineers and stuff. Lowy did a couple of, of uh, habitat type things. Mm-hmm. But at the time when he was retiring, you know, that was working for the space program was number one, and he really touted that. But you know, look, looking at it through history, it, that's not a, a huge right. breakthrough. Gotcha. I, I, I think, it, wouldn't you say that Studebaker and, and maybe particularly the, the Avante, the Avante, the motor car, uh, it kind of came out of unfortunate because Studebaker kind of folded up right at that point. Um, but he, he that certainly seems to live on as an example of his design skill. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the Studebaker work 
literally goes from the 30s to the 60s. So um, I'll just go through a couple of his breakthrough car designs. Um, in the, in uh, the 40s, uh, during World War II, the, uh, uh, the auto industry basically was shut down to, to, to right. manufacture war material, as was Studebaker. But uh, since Lowy was an independent designer, um, he did not work directly for the company like Harley Earl at Ford or Bob Gregory at, or Harley Earl at GM and Bob Gregory at Ford. Um, he was able to design a post-war car for Studebaker that would, could be ready faster. So if you were an employee of GM, you could not work on cars while the war effort was on. But Lowy wasn't under that, under those restrictions. So uh, when the war ends, he comes out with the 1947 Studebaker, which was the first evenly balanced car. If you look at a 1941 Chevy, they have a long front end and a, a chopped off back end. And the 47 Studebaker, uh, commander had um, basically an even balance front and back and wasn't particularly, you know, sleek looking, but it looked way different than um, anything that was out on the road. So that was his first breakthrough. And that was done by Lowy plus kind of an all-star team of designers, uh, Bob Bork for Studebaker, Gordon Burig who was a famous designer that did the Accord and Auburn cars and um, a couple other guys uh, in there as well. Oh, Virgil Exner, who went on to uh, do Chrysler's uh, tail fin stuff in the 50s. So that was his first breakthrough and really put Studebaker up uh, to number four behind uh, the big three, GM, Chrysler, and Ford. And then um, after that, you know, he kind of rode those coattails and uh, he was a little controversial at Studebaker because it's the, they were always suspicious he was ripping them off and doing use, you know, uh, useless designs. And they just didn't like dealing with this outside guy, uh, this, you know, who kept telling them that, you know, his designs were going to be better than what they could do. So um, the next uh, breakthrough for him was the 1953 Studebaker Starliner. And that was a, a two-door kind of executive car that, that presaged the, the Buick Riviera and, you know, these expensive cars for the um, executive guy to drive to work while mom, you know, had the uh, people mover, the, the sedan or the station wagon at home to take the kids everywhere. And it was uh, influenced by European cars. It was very low to the ground, um, very sleek and streamlined. And that was a huge, huge breakthrough. I'd say that was the most um 
innovative design that he did for Studebaker because it really influenced all these smaller cars and and sports cars uh, that came after it. You know, the Thunderbird, the Vet. Uh, uh, um, it just showed that you could do something other than just a straight sports car or a or a, a family car. And then finally, uh, in the 60s, Studebaker was, as you said, on its last legs. Um, they had had a bunch of uh, um, setbacks and their um, um, executives um, were mostly bankers, not car people. So they were doing uh, stock dividends when they probably should have been investing in the company. But anyway, a new president was, was brought in and he wanted to do a sports car. His name was uh, um, Sherwood Egbert. And uh, he brought back Raymond Lowy to do that. And Lowy designed the Avanti in a couple of months out in a house and in Palm Springs with uh, three or four designers, uh, just Lowy and these three and four guys, and um, came up with this sports car that doesn't look like anything before or since today. It remains a, a really interesting looking car. And, um, uh, you know, it's got uh, a real bent up front end or, you know, uh, sloped down front end with no grill and, and kind of uh, thin bladed fenders that run all the way back and an offset hood scoop. But um, I mean, if you see that running down the road today, you'd think of the day and just yeah, you'd uh, know it. <laughs> it designed it yesterday. But Very in good. fact, uh, there's a couple of movies where it's supposed to be, you know, the year 2530 or something, and everybody's driving around in a Bonnie, Ivanti. <laughs> That, that's Raymond Lowe would be happy with that. John, we're out of time. I, I love the, 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 the rundown here. Uh, folks, again, the book is 